governments classically goes waterfall. Why do they go waterfall? Why will a government or somebody who's got lots of money go waterfall? Why do governments want documentation? Uh, no, requirements always change. They want predictability. They want blameability. Okay? They won't be able to say, you said you would deliver us this. Yes? And because the projects are so large, in two years' time, the requirements have changed. And even now, even now, the government is blind to it. Now, they do, because we keep on telling them okay, that there are other ways of doing things. And in fact, um, if you read through the literature, one of the opponents of Agile is Barry Bean. Right? So, who doesn't know who Barry Bean is? Okay. Barry Bean, effectively, the initiator of the spiral model. The spiral model being, everything is risky, do risk assessment before going any further. Seeing whether it's worthwhile doing this next phase of development or not. Okay? Rational unified process then follows on from that, and it's like the dawn of Agile. It's like the eras that software development process models have gone through. Now, I hate XP, or I hate the XP community, because when you go to their conferences, and I went to the 2006 conference, it's like a blooming religion. Honestly, it's like a religion. Those who have adopted it are like, it saved our project, it saved our company, it did this, it was wonderful. Okay? And if you ever get them coming and talking to you, they will treat you as if, what, do you think Waterfall was brilliant? No. Shit you all, and what do you know? And you have to listen to them, because they have got a point. And when you read through Barry Bean's book, no, not Barry Bean, Kent Beck's book, um, his justification is in hard financial factual detail. It's really annoying sometimes that when you listen to him, he comes across as some religious maniac. Okay? Apologise if you feel that I've just blasphemed or whatever for saying uh, religious maniac. But what I'm saying is, you know, they're so into it that they... It appears as though they can't focus on anything else. But he's done the analysis. And in fact, at um, XP 2006, Barry Bean was there. And he was joining in. And in fact, Barry Bean is one of these most substantial academics you will ever come across. Been doing it for 30 or 40 years, has got empirical data on what software projects fail, succeed, and do all the other kinds of things. You know? He's... he's when you see him, he's ancient. He looks about 70 or 80. But his mind is as sharp as that when you ask him a question. Right? And he was there at XP, and he was going, do you realise that journal doesn't work? <laughs> so the XP conference of 200 people who were all sort of, oh, it's brilliant. Okay? And 
He then pulled out all these statistics as to when it doesn't work. And part of what Peter was trying to say was, there are some projects which are so large that it would appear as though Agile will not work. Okay? And that is when you're having to employ more than 100 programmers. That's what his threshold value would be. And that is quite amazing, because you would think, less than 100 programmers, you know, I can have 90 programmers, and Agile can be of value and can be the correct or most appropriate process model to use. Yeah, and it does come down to how do you scope it? How do you know where the heck you are going? And it's because right at the start of XP or Agile, you have the metaphor, which is the large, very fuzzy problem definition. It's not in a normal problem definition, as in here is the ERM diagram and here is everything else. It is in a way that can be communicated. Because I think as we said already, communication is the thing, or the lack of communication is the thing which causes projects to fail, and people not to be able to do things. And for you not to know which room you're going to for your tests or anything else. Yes, when you have a large number of people, <laughs> communication is the thing that causes things to fail, and is problematic. Yeah. So... Part of the Agile manifesto, and they have a manifesto for the XB manifesto, is communication, bravery, and a few other fantastic buzzwords. Yeah? Um, it is definitely taking off in terms of the process model. Some companies absolutely love it because it gives them complete flexibility as to what they're doing. And it tends to be companies who want to talk to their customers. Yes? Who don't want to get... Who aren't necessarily interested in litigation, but actually want to talk to the customers because they realise that when they talk to the customer, they get exactly what they want to know, and because they then rapidly prototype and give back to the customer a prototype and a feel as to what they're doing, that happens. And in fact, at the moment, I'm working with a company in Hartford who were using Waterfall to some extent. And we've sort of introduced Agile to them. The new people sort of go, oh, it's great for the old people. Oh, where's the documentation? <coughs> what do you need documentation for? You've already said in when we did all the interviews that the documentation constantly changes and you can't keep up with it. Oh, we want documentation because then our managers can see what we're doing. Yes, it's all about what the managers do, and it's about reporting. Whereas agile programmers, there's a psychology about programmers, agile programmers like the feedback. Okay? Programmers like having feedback. You know, what have I estimated this population at? 60% of you are software engineers, and 40% of you are programmers. Okay? Slightly higher than last year. You can work it out from the, your test answers. Your test answers indicate whether you're a software engineer or whatever, just because of the questions that you get right and wrong. I won't go any more than that. Okay? But if I took the programmers out of you, you would have a very um, different psychometric profile to the other people in this room. Okay? You are different. 
managers are different to programmers, are different to accountants, are different to somebody else. And what typically makes programmers tick is the fact that somebody else goes, that was good. Okay? They are very into being told, that's a really nice piece of code. They also like coding because what happens is they get some immediate feedback about, I can do this little bit of programming, I'll do it in Python because it's really easy and cheap. Right? And I'm like, look, it does what I wanted to. I know it does what I wanted it to. That's really nice. They get immediate feedback, not from a person, unfortunately, but from a machine. But when they actually program in a company, they like the agile process model because they can actually talk to the company. In the past, the programmers are stuck in a little room over there. They're fed the information. This is what we want you to program. Here you go. Oh, they want a for loop. They want an if statement. They want this. There you go. <laughs> so what? Do those programmers know what's happening to their program? Do they know how the, the impact it is? Does the company ever give them feedback? No, the only feedback they get is, excellent, you did it on time, you've now got a 60% bonus. Oh, great. <laughs> Don't know why. It's good, though. Um, if or next, okay. Hey, I get money. Which is why, historically, programmers get bored. And they then go out and try and become software engineers and managers of other programmers. But they always have this secret inkling to go back and become coders. Okay? So, that mindset doesn't necessarily, that mindset of a programmer does not fit well with waterfall. It fits well for one class of programmers, and there's a class of programmers which are the pseudo-autistic programmers. Oh, me. The world is too scary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, give me a problem. There you go. Don't talk to the world. Because there is that psychometric center as well, and you have to recognize them. Okay? And there's um, another group of students who are just programmers, and you can spot them. There's a little row of about four of them that sit together. Okay? And you give them a problem, and you go, oh, we shall be shit. And the other's going, oh, it's a nice problem. Oh, can't be bothered that. I'm going to go to the pub. And, like, and they are what are classified as the experts, the gurus, the complete nerds. Okay? And in fact, they're really useful at times. Because they are the ones who will stop up till six o'clock in the morning with their pizza and coke, and will solve your incredibly difficult problem. The only problem is, they can't tell you how. <laughs> they can't. Okay? And because they can't tell you how, how on earth can you maintain their code when they leave? You're stuffed. Absolutely stuffed. <laughs> so, thank you. Um, don't knock it until you have read the book. Okay? There are a few copies of that, but it's online as well. It's free online somewhere through O'Reilly or whatever sources. Okay? Sorry? There's a link on that. Yeah, the first edition is fine. The second edition suddenly goes, hmm, we weren't quite right about the first one. It evolves. Uh, <laughs> the natural tendency is more 
for people to drift towards the extreme style of programming rather than the great pandering. If you leave people alone to get them and you don't put them full of ideas, they will tend to talk and work together with more of an extreme style. Yes, yes, the extreme, the agile, can we call it agile? I thought you meant extreme. Yes, in the agile form, they tend to, organically they tend to, programmers tend to, yes, open source systems tend to use an agile approach, really. Just naturally, yeah, yes. It's far more organic. They talk, they enjoy each other's company, even the autistic ones sometimes join in. Yeah? Anyway, um, do I want to do this? It's one of the machines now, so I can stop. Um, change your battery. That's why. So, don't knock it, read it, okay? Why are we spending half of our time on it? Because, um, not because we have joined the, um, the manifesto, but because it's the next process model. And I guarantee you in another 10 years' time, there will be another process model. Okay? As the technology changes, as the world changes, especially if there's no power and electricity, not all the doom and gloom, but as things change. Yes? And if you want to be a laggard, that's fine. If you want to be an innovator, then that's fine. But agile at the moment is... There's a, there's a curve, there's a classic curve about how things progress through their lifetime. And you have... Innovators, adopters, um, main scale, late adopters, laggards. Okay, they're the ones who are joining the movement just as everyone's got to think rubbish. Okay, don't be one of those. Don't be one of the absolute innovators because you waste so much energy. It's unbelievable. Unless you are young, fit, and anti-agile. Yes. What you want to be doing is adopting things when at the start of the real ramp up of the curve, and that is what's happening with Agile. If I can get my laptop to work, I'll be in work. Right, um, so, laptop, <coughs> this, Interesting, because when I went to the conference, there was a little workshop 
And they were discussing, as I knew I was going to have to teach this module, they were discussing what tools the Agile programmers use. Okay? So, two minutes thoughts. What do you think the key tools that Agile programmers use? Okay? Sounds like one minute thought. Or ten seconds. Go on then. What, what one tool do you think Agile programmers use? Wiki. Interviews and questionnaires. Bookzilla. Text editor. Don't lock it. You're right. CVS. CVS? Yeah. Job lock? Yeah. Skype. VNC. VNC, because he's reading the notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are an idiot, don't you? No. <laughs> and we're saying. Right. <laughs> the two tools, which are the most predominant tools used by Agile programmers, because Agile effectively took off in the open source community as well, were VNC and Skype. Most of them know what Skype is, don't you? Yeah. Yes? Skype? Three phones. <laughs> Three phones, okay? Four phones, you need to know. Three phones. There were things like net meeting and all that kind of thing that came before, but effectively it allowed two people to be on the phone and talk about the code at the same time. They could do what is called spatial pair programming. They were separated in space, but they were pair programming at the same time. And the second tool that they need to be able to do that is VNC. Virtual network clients. Yes? Not virtual network. I don't know what it sounds like. Network connected. Basically, it allows me to do this, hopefully. Now, I'm desperately hoping my partner, so I'm about to VNC my machine at home. Where is VNC? Is okay. it a remote desktop? It is a remote no desktop. desktop. Yep. No, it's network's now disappeared.
um, a machine over in the universe or somewhere else, and, start, and then said, start NetBeans. NetBeans would start on that computer, but the display of the application would actually appear on this one. And that one would be Louise, because they haven't got... Oh, Louise hasn't got a full user interface on it. As long as this, the SSH server for Louise, allows it, you can run next turn. Yeah. And it's yeah. But because of what I've said, it probably will work. So, brilliant. Good fun. Very useful. Um, I've been using it for years. It's not dangerous. If you have the, the owners that can do any machine uh, with Unity Server and you can do experience that as well. Okay. They run scripts on your machines. Uh, well, if they, if they can get into your machine, it wasn't necessary through VNC. If, they have, if you have VNC Server running on your machine, then obviously you have a good account. In, uh, okay, but on your crypt with passwords and use. Okay, so we have in field experience of it being a loophole, a danger. It is. Okay? So be careful. Um, come on. Page. Skype, voice over ID. It's free. That's how it's free? Everything's free, isn't it? Yes? So it works. It isn't free if you try ringing somebody else's um, landline, yep. but it is free that you can actually have communication between America and England using the internet because you're in a hotel and you've plugged into their Wi-Fi system and off you go. Yes, very useful. Um, very useful when you need to unlock your machine at home because you have a Skype session with VNC and you say, what are you trying to do? And in fact, have used that um, when I used to work outside universities, and literally you install sort of things on other people's machines when you're trying to manage them, and you say, what's your IP address? Okay, thank you very much. Oh, my mouse has moved! And you're like, yeah, it's me. It's typing! And it's like, oh, the computer's got a mind new time. Okay? And it's really quite wacky and wonderful. People just can't get their heads around it. But eventually it's really good for maintenance and all kinds of things apart from their programming. So Skype is good because you can phone them at the same time. Um, the next tool that they tend to think about, use, and consider is ANT. Another neat tool. Okay? It's another TLA, three letter acronym. Um, the equivalent of make, who knows what make is? Who doesn't know what make is? Who knows how many hair exactly? Uh, make is a way of saying, I've got this C file, this C file, this C file, I want you to compile this C file, this C file, this C file, and then once you compile all those files, link all the object files together to make the XE application. Yeah? It's the thing that knows how they all fit together and how they all link. Um, and ANT is the Java equivalent. Um, the description of how it's supposed to do it is in XML. So therefore, it's quite trendy. The source file being on distributed location as well. Sorry. The source files being on distributed location as well. Um, haven't come across that as a technique. Yes. I don't know. It's probably anything's possible. So, automated tools and cruise control. 
Now, the other week I said, go and have a look at cruise control, which have actually crashed because I've done something terrible. Cruise control does the following. It sits next to, on the same machine, a version control system of some kind, either CVS or SDN. And SDN has a special little thing which says, whenever someone commits something to it, run this program. It's called a hook. And that hook then tells cruise control that somebody has just committed a new change for version control. Cruise control goes, that's very interesting, I will now run all the regression tests on that code. Just to check that all regression tests and any new tests actually pass. And if the regression tests fail, everyone gets emailed. So-and-so has just broken the build. Their responsibility is to fix it. Now, you're not going to do that today in pair programming, but cruise control is seen as, it becomes effectively the regression machine, the regression testing machine. People just go, okay, I've finished making my changes, committed to CBS, SBM, boom, goes into SBM, SBM tells cruise control, cruise control then builds it, does the job documentation, does PMD, you come across PMD? PMD is a, um, a tool which goes through your code looking for potential errors. Hmm. Okay? Is it quiz um, It's automated, yes. It's automated because all it's doing is waiting for people to submit things and then because it uses ants, it then goes through and does the build and all the other things as well. So, it's not the only thing, there are loads of other things which will do the same type of process. So, PMD, code analysis, basically goes through and looks for possible bad programming styles, possible bugs, empty try catch blocks when you're trying to open a file, um, unused local variables, private parameters that shouldn't be there, suboptimal code, you know. Should be using a string buffer, but someone's going string plus equals David, string plus equals that, string plus equals that. Really bad programming style. Yes, very bad use of resources. Uncomplicated expressions, too simple expressions. Um, the classic thing in Java is you go if brackets, x greater than y, close brackets, and then there's an, a statement. Well, good practice is to actually always put things in curly brackets, okay? Because that way you know exactly the code that is going to be implemented uh, run through if the if statement passes. PMD actually integrates quite well into NetBeans. It definitely integrates into cruise control because it can be run through ants. So cruise control will now go, make sure it builds, generate the job documentation, run all the regression tests, and also give a PMD report about how useless the programs are. Uh, Java Beans, uh, I mean, has it not got some uh, uh, error reporting, not error reporting, uh, compiling to compiling compiles, and it basically gives you this piece of code that's uh, automatic? Well, NetBeans has tended to use PMD in the past. Okay? Anyway, um, those links probably fail. I'll give you some new links. So, PMD integrates with the whole thing. 
Um, you don't have to run it through NetBeans, you can run it directly from ANTS. Um, effectively, for ANTS, there are loads of plugins which allow you to do lots of things, and it works with Eclipse. And NetBeans, don't do inside, okay? It's used because a lot of modern stuff is done in Java. Um, actually, NetBeans is only ANT at the end of the day, on the whole. There are massive um, ANT build files. File is always called build.xml or some variant on that. Okay? And when you can start to understand ANT files, you'll see how NetBeans uses them for doing the compilation process, the checking, and everything else that goes on. So, ant heavily, uh, NetBeans heavily uses ant. Is that a telling story? Well, Agile is based on stories. Yes? User stories. In the practical, there are four stories. Four people have written in saying Blue Jay is terrible. Okay? In the practical, so I've finished early, which is um, in the practical, what I want you to do, what we want you to do, okay, is we're not going to help you at all, okay? You're going to be in pairs. Pair programming, the user stories which are up there, using NetBeans and the SVN repository that have Bluejay that we know works until someone broke it last week. It is actually getting me, well, annoyed, I don't know if that's the right word, frustrating probably, that you still think that the process is download something, have a play with it, um, update commit, and if that caused any conflicts, don't worry. Okay? It does matter now. Because when you commit things that don't work, it then takes everybody else, everybody else then has to go through the process of fixing it. Which is why in Agile, if you break it, you fix it. Okay? It's not the responsibility of the entire team. Now, what's going to happen in the practical, so in fact, the practical is probably going to be an hour today. Um, what's going to happen in the practical is, there are at least four user stories. Okay, they've been written on little cards and they've been done in PowerPoint because it wasn't me who did them. Okay, so it was someone actually saying I wanted to do this, right? And in fact, um, there is someone who teaches on programming courses using Blue that is actually now producing a list as long as you're on. Okay, of user stories. It doesn't do this. I wanted to do this. It doesn't do code completion. The user stories that is just about to be added is. Um, in BlueJ, if I want to copy a class, I automatically want it to rename or refactor the names of the classes and all the constructors and everything else inside it. Like third and not hard. Last little project for somebody. Okay? So, they use the stories. So, you go into practical, you set, you only need one machine between two of you, because it's pair programming. Okay? You don't need to start up every single machine. Um, be careful about who your pair is. Okay? It's usually quite good to have one who's quite technical and the other one who's quite sort of, ooh, it's nice. Okay? Because what happens is they work together. And it is the principle of Agile. And it's about communication and courage. 
The principle of player programming is, because maybe we've sort of skipping over it, is the following. One person is sat typing code. In their head, they probably have half solved the problem before they even started. It's a for loop. Yes? And because all programmers are lazy, they've gone for i equals 1 to 10, next. The person who sat there drinking their cup of coffee, not allowed in the labs, goes, that's very interesting. Well, that's your, that is your own personal style. Okay? The company style is, I has got to be a proper name or something. What do you mean by I? Yes? Don't start using A, B, and C as variable names. Make them meaningful. Now then, if it was just me, sat on my own, ABC, someone nagging me on my shoulder, okay, you actually end up doing things that you know you should do. It costs them nothing to say it, to nag you, okay? but it has an impact on the person who is programming. The net result is, demonstrably, academically, the quality of the code improves. Now, hopefully, the quality of the code improves to make it worthwhile to have had two brains working on one problem. Because the argument should be, split them up, Make them write code. They can write 100 lines of code per day. They can write 100 lines of code per day. We will get 200 lines of code out of them. Stick the two people working together. He's actually slowing this one down. These ones don't use ABC. Okay? Theoretically, they're now writing 90 lines of code. How inefficient is that? The efficiency comes by the fact that that code is maintainable. Because the majority of code efforts isn't the first initialization of it, it's when people have to maintain it. And when someone tries to maintain my code that goes um, string A, B, C, D, E, semicolon, A equals this, B, the person who comes to maintain it goes, The code that goes um, Number of classifiers equals that. The person goes, ah, oh, I, you know, I already know the metaphor for this problem. The variable names are self-describing. I understand what's going on. It's not the initial impact. The initial impact is slow code writing. The long-term impact is drastically more maintainable code. Far more efficient for the company. Far easier for people to make changes and to evolve software. Okay? Non-pair programming, plan-driven. Pair programming allows you to have the agile process, allows you to evolve your code because it's well-documented, it's well-written, and quite often those 90 lines of code are equivalent in performance and production as the 200 lines of code because they're so well written. They don't need maintaining. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. You have had two brains on it. 
and it works. Is there any project management involved in this whole program? Scrum? Uh, no. No. Uh, yeah, problem. Is there any, any uh, part that would put it in the No. Apart from, how you get tired. Yes? Well, what's happened is, the Scrum has taken place, you've taken the story off the storyboard in your pairs, you've gone back to your terminal, you've done other things that we haven't described yet, you've programmed it, you've put it into the regression machine, it said everything's passed, and that's it. Okay? What I will force you to do today, which isn't what normally happens, is I'll suddenly just shout, CHANGE! And at that point, the person who's programming has to swap with the navigator. Okay? Because classically what happens is one person tries to hog the blue machine for the time to hours. That isn't the point. Right? The point is for you to experience the process. And initially... You will hate it. Yeah. Okay? I know historically <coughs> you will hate it. You will not like the process. You will go, I would much rather program on my own. The autistic ones, definitely. Okay? Some of you will go, oh, it will take a little while for you to reflect on the benefits of it. And in fact, you have got to think about it this way. What you program for a company isn't for your benefit, it's for the benefit of the company. Yes? It is not for your benefit. It's not the company's responsibility to give you a happy day and just to pay you at the end of it. Actually, it's your responsibility. They have paid you. They expect something out of you. It's your responsibility to do something of quality. Yes? The other advantage of power programming is I may play programming with you today, and tomorrow I may play programming with him, and the day after I may play programming with him. My knowledge of the system, because we're all working on different things, is all encompassing. I have worked on the majority of the code, because I'm allowed to. I don't have the specialism. It can be a problem, because sometimes you need the guru. Yes? But actually, the guru learns because they work around the systems. If someone leaves, it's not too that bad in the large system because everyone's working on the same code. Everyone knows the same code. Everyone knows roughly how the code works. Yeah? It is beneficial for both. Rather than plan-driven, if, for, next, do. If, for, next. Okay? Although I say it's not the company benefit, there are always benefits to the company of having staff who are motivated and interested. And Agile tends to do that. Yes? Apart from Yeah, it was. Okay? I don't 